Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. So glad to be here with you. What a great week we had last weekend, uh, last week, and specifically that Friday to, to Sunday time, Pastor John led us on Friday night, and just a, an incredible time in which we uh, uh, took the Lord's Supper. We considered we considered what Jesus went through uh, in Golgotha and being buried. And Pastor John, thank you for leading us. And you guys, everyone who attended, should really thank Pastor John because you know one of the things I learned, John, uh, as I was reading, I found. I found an old text this a couple weeks ago of sermons through the Holy Week that were written uh, by an Anglican priest. And one of the things I learned that in traditional church, the Good Friday service is supposed to be three hours long, a three-hour long service. And that's, that's what church was known for for 2,000 years. So, you know, I don't know, but I was thankful. I don't, I don't know. What does that say about me? I was thankful we weren't in church on, for three hours on Friday, uh, but we had a powerful time. And thank you for that. And then we came back together. Uh, Lauren and Nick, thank you for spearheading and organizing and helping all of us keep our heads straight and moving in the right direction. As we got together, we had uh, about, I don't know, 30, 40 of our kids come together, uh, grabbed 1,500 eggs, right? It was around 1,500. We got rid of uh, about 120 donuts or so and, uh, and had a great a group of people show up on on Saturday morning for the egg hunt, and then of course, and that was a, a great experience. And and then of course we had had uh, Easter Sunday. You guys knew what it felt like here in first hour. Let me tell you, second hour was just as full as first hour. Uh, great attendance, uh, great spirit in both hours. So I don't know about you, but uh, but 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 it was one of those days that just exciting to know that we worship a living God who is. Not a set of ideas, not a set of principles, but actually was a God that came in flesh and rose from the dead as he was put in a tomb for three days. And uh, reason enough for us to be excited about, about what God's doing in our lives. And so hope you had a great experience last week as well. I certainly did. And uh, this week we're starting a new series and uh, going to spend a couple of weeks talking about something that all of us are searching for something that all of us are yearning for, uh, longing for. Uh, you think about this thing, we make decisions, we navigate our lives in order to attain uh, this. We, we move mountains to get more of it. We will go to great lengths in our life in order to experience it, and then we do our very best to try to keep it for as long as we can. But despite the hunt, we find for many of us, this subject is elusive. It's hard for us to capture. It's hard for us to own. It's hard for us to even describe it to other people. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the subject of happiness, right? Happiness. It's kind of like... I. I've used this illustration before, but I just can't help myself. It's the same thing. I go back to when, the, when Congress was defining what pornography was in the 80s, and that senator said, I can't describe what pornography is. I just know it when I see it. And, I and he realized at that moment that 
he said more things than he meant to say <laughs> at that point, right? Happiness, right? How, how do you describe happiness? I mean, and, and right now, just think about that. How would you describe to someone uh, that has never heard of the concept of happy, how would you define what happiness looks like? What is, what is happiness? What, what is it? Do you think, do you, does anybody have any ideas here? How, you know, happiness. What, what is happiness? What, what do you think? Grandchildren, okay? Yeah. And there's a lot of grandparents out there that would agree with you, Kathy, 100%, right? Yeah. How do you describe happiness? I mean, it's so elusive, right? I, I, I uh, came across this story, and the story was written back in the 80s. So for those of you who are younger and weren't around in the 80s, that was during the era before the communist regime fell in the Soviet Union. And uh, so keep that in mind. But, but the story I was reading was about there was an American, there was a Frenchman, and there was a Russian that were together, and they were trying to describe to one another what happiness was. And the American said, happiness is coming home after a hard day's work, finding a soft, comfortable chair, putting my feet up in the most comfortable slippers, up on my ottoman, and there is a fire going in the fireplace beside me, and my, my loyal dog sitting beside me. That's happiness. And right now there's some people here that would go, yeah, that does not sound like a bad picture, right? That does not sound, uh, that, that, yeah, that's happy. That's, that, a person who's in that scenario, they're happy. The Frenchman, he, he pops up and he goes, oh, oh. And yes, for the record, I believe every Frenchman, this is what they sound like. Oh, you Americans, oh, you are so unromantic. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, happiness is a quiet table at a four-star restaurant, beautiful woman beside you, having a bottle of wine. And some of you here would say, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a, my definition of happiness. I agree with the Parisian. I agree with the Frenchman. And then the Russian speaks up, and he's like, oh, happiness, happiness is living in going into your bed in the cold apartment at 4 a.m. and a knock on the door and they say, secret police, open up Ivan Ivanovich. And you say, Ivan Ivanovich lives next door. That's happiness. And there's some of you that would say, yep, I recognize that that's, that's my definition of happiness there. What am I trying to uh, c communicate with that terrible joke? It's, happiness is a matter of perspective, right? I mean, it's going to be very difficult for us to, to, all of us, agree what happiness is. Now, this is what I can tell you from my research. There is a prevailing perspective in most of America today that happiness, however you would define it, there are some common themes one of them being that it, happiness happens on the outside of you, right? Happiness comes to you from outside of life, and it comes in from the, your surroundings. Uh, it is connected also, the prevailing view. It's not just connected to the outside, but it's connected to the happenings of the day. That's where we get the word happiness from. Happiness is attached to the happenings around you. So if your happenings around you are all positive and good, it just makes sense that you're happy. If the happenings around you just are terrible and stink, then 
there, you, know, you, you no longer have happiness. The other aspect of the prevailing view, the prevailing perspective of, the, of our world today is that happiness also has a huge degree of attaining pleasure. Okay, so the more pleasure you can capture in the happening around you, then your, your happiness meter is going to go up. And if you uh, are, even if, if the happenings around you are fine, if you're not getting a lot of pleasure from them, then the world today seems to tell us, it, tells, it, it describes to us that then you probably aren't going to be a happy person. So we're seeing three very important ingredients. First of all, it's, it's from the outside in. It's directly correlated to the happenings around you. And it's tied to and connected to you gathering, accumulating, bringing in as much pleasure as you can for yourself. That's the prevailing perspective of our culture uh, of how to generate happiness. As we open up this tome, our holy scriptures, it seems that Jesus has a lot to say about happiness, and he introduces an alternative view. Jesus seems to say through his teachings that happiness is generated from within, not from outside, but happiness can be inside. So that's why we see people like Paul and Peter when they are in prison, their happenings are pretty dismal. They can experience still happiness on the inside. Why? Because for them, happiness is generated from within. Uh, it's in spite of the happenings. The happenings uh, around them maybe inform, maybe impede, maybe can, uh, can speak into, but they're not the only thing that generate happiness within these people's lives. Oh, and they're not necessarily, it seems like Jesus is not necessarily pushing us towards trying to attain as much pleasure as possible, but he is talking about to experience happiness. Happiness comes from attaining a feeling of favor, a favor upon you, that happiness is on your life when you just have that experience that like, I have, I have someone's favor, I have favor, and specifically, we'll talk about this more in greater detail, the favor of God, the favor of God upon your life, that happiness comes there. Uh, join me, if you will, as we look at Jesus, one of his first compelling teachings on happiness, Matthew chapter 5. If you have a copy of Scripture, I invite you to go there. In Matthew 5, uh, the Scripture says, the, his disciple Matthew says, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. This is the first major teaching of Jesus' ministry. It's the first time where Jesus is, is codifying what he believes kingdom living is to look like, what it is that he is about. And he continues on, and he says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's take just a few minutes to consider the word blessed. You know, blessed is like happiness. It's like we're all familiar with the word, but if I said, quick, quick, right now, tell me, what does it mean? Most of us are going to be like, uh, 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 and we're going to struggle because we hear the word so much, 
But have we ever stopped to consider what does a blessed life look like? Most of us would say, and I believe that this is erroneous, uh, most of us would say, well, blessed life is a, is a life without trouble. No, 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 that's not, that's not it at all. It's, uh, Jesus had a more blessed life than anyone, and he died on a cross, right? He was hung on a cross. So it's not a life without trouble. What does blessing look like? So the, the, the Greek word is mark, makarios, and as we look at that word, there are other definitions besides blessed that defines this word. Some will use the word prosperous to describe makarios. Some will use the definition or the, the, the phrase to be admired, to be admired. You, you're, one time I preached uh, this, the Beatitudes, and I talked about it like Jesus was, was, was flipping the script that the world says, hey, you're, you're someone that's going to be admired and everyone wants to be with you. you. You're a rock star if you're rich and you're a rock star if you're powerful and you're a rock star if you're sexy and you're a rock star if you're wearing the newest uh, fashions and you're a rock star if you have the fastest car and you're a rock star if you're, you, know, you have everyone's admiration. And, and, and I said, and Jesus flips it and says, you know what? The people that are mourning are rock stars. The people that are poor uh, and humble, they're rock stars. Uh, what, what I believe this word bless, that there's a component of, of this concept of people look at you and they go, wow, wow, I want that. I want that. I want to emulate that in my life. That's, that's a definition of this word blessed. I am not lost on the fact that there are a lot of translations, many translations that will take this word, makarios, and they simply use the word happy. It might be that you're reading right now a copy, a translation of Scripture, that instead of saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, it says, happy are the poor in spirit, or happy are the humble. You know, there was a time in which I was around people, and, and I was one of these people, that when I would see that someone had that copy of Scripture, I was like, oh, pfft. You're watering the scripture down. Happy. There's, that's a poor word for, for blessed. Well, as I've done research and as I've, as I've done, done, done my, you know, got my bona fides in theology, I've discovered that's not true. That's not true. Matter of fact, the word happy is a great definition for this word that in many of our translation is saying blessed. Jesus is saying, you want to be happy in life? You want to be happy in life? Then do these things. Be this kind of person. What I want to do now in, in this moment is just read this copy, this passage as Jesus is talking about happiness. And I'm going to use the word blessed because that's what the NIV is saying here. But, but Jesus is giving the first words about saying, you want, you want to experience happiness in life? Then consider being this kind of person. And he teaches for the record, I might add, he's teaching not the elite. He's not teaching the, 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 the theologically adept. He's not teaching leaders. He's not teaching rich people. He is teaching schlubs like you and I here. The people that gathered around Jesus in this moment, fishermen, 
workers, blue-collar people, people struggling with their mortgages, people not knowing how they're going to pay uh, their taxes, people that are dealing with family pressures, people that have lost their jobs, people that are, are in bad situations. They're just normal people. And this is what Jesus says about happiness. He says, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See how Jesus is just flipping stuff? We, we run from mourning. And Jesus says, man, people who are mourned, those are ultimately going to be happy people. There's a lot of psychologists I know that would say, exactly, exactly, because they're not running from mourning, whereas we do run from mourning to the point of where we don't have funerals anymore, you know. It's another story. Uh, verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed, happy, happy. Someone who should be emulated, someone who is experiencing great happiness are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, stop for a second. Some of us hide behind that. This, and some of us hide behind that wrongly. This text doesn't say, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things because you're obnoxious, right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, blessed are you who, when you're insulted, persecuted, falsely, because you do all kinds of evil and cause all kinds of harm in life. No, no. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of King Jesus. King Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Incredible things that Jesus was proclaiming for the very first time as he launched his kingdom, as he was introducing what kingdom perspective looked like to poor schlubs like you and I, people just trying to make it through life, people just trying to get through the next day. And he totally turns things upside down as he, as he addresses the, the very first subject that Jesus deals with in his public ministry is how can you be happy in life. And notice Jesus didn't say, get as much pleasure as you can. He didn't say, get around people that are happy as you, as, as you want to be. He didn't say uh, to, to run away from circumstances that are difficult, but, you, but run towards circumstances, happenings that are good and that are positive and that make you comfortable. Jesus instead seems to be saying that the attitudes inside of us seem to be just as important, if not more important, than what is happening outside of us. You know, that's what Jesus seems to be saying here. 
And he also seems to be saying that to be happy is more than acquiring pleasure. It's, it's how God sees us and experiences us. Think about that for a moment. Our happiness is based on not the pleasure that we can accumulate, but could it potentially be that our happiness is based on how God sees you and how God experiences you? That's a mouthful there, isn't it? I mean, you realize that just as, just as I realize when I'm in your presence, you're experiencing me. And there have been times where there's self-talk going on in my head where I'm like, <clears throat> Tony, pull it together. You're getting way negative or you're being way too much of a stick in the mud right now. This person in front of you is experiencing you very poorly. And then when I'm in a good state of mind, then I pull it together, right? When I'm in a bad state of mind, I go, I don't care. I'm going to still act like this, right? I'm still going to be this terrible, terrible person at this moment. And they, they're going to walk away going, wow, I really experienced him poorly. The, the reality is we all we experience one another, don't we? Think about God experiences us. How does God experience you today? How does he experience us today? I go back to Matthew 5, 3, the very verse 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I introduce to you what the message translation or the message paraphrase Bible says. It records this passage, and this is the way they try to define it. They, they're describing it this way. You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule in your life. I guess that's what I'm talking about today, is I'm talking about how do we generate happiness. Maybe we need to come to a point where there's a little bit less of us and a little bit more of God in our place. The reality is, I know in this season of life, tough times are in many of our lives. That, as your pastor, as your friend, I am not lost on that. I'm also not lost. I do not feel myself this perpetual cheerleader up here with pom-poms just trying to get you to take your eyes off of your problems and they're still there and I want you to put your eyes on something greater than you even though there's some truth to that. But I, I realize, I realize life is hard and I guess I'm just asking that all of us need to consider that it's time for us to quit looking so much at our happenings and pursuing pleasure, however that could be. And for the record, I realize that many of us, we pursue pleasure in perfectly uh, okay ways, ways that are perfectly acceptable. I'm not describing the, the drug addict who abandons their family and, uh, and leaves their children and, and goes on a binge for four weeks and never is heard from again. I'm not, we all in this room would agree that that is a terrible thing, but I'm saying that, that all of us in our little picadillos, we pursue our passions. We pursue the things that give us pleasure. And many of those things are our kids, our grandkids, our, all of those things. And what I'm just saying is this, perhaps we have occasionally as good people vaulted those things into the position of an idol in our lives. And what we need to do is take those idols down and we need to begin looking at how do we pursue God? How do we seek him in life? How can we start thinking 
of our happiness as being that, uh, that experience of attaching ourselves to God and experiencing His divine favor, experiencing God's blessing inside of you, experiencing, here's a, a metaphor just to think about this week, His hand on your shoulder. I, I just, uh, just uh, did not plan this. Just a few moments ago while we were worshiping, I went over there and, and uh, Dax was sitting next to Andy. And uh, I went down just to say hi to Dax because I hadn't seen him here yet. Dana and I, we drove separate vehicles. And, uh, and as I've been over and I'm talking to him, uh, little Dax blessed me in such a way. You know, usually the father should bless the son, right? But, but Dax just put his hand on my neck, right? He would just pat me on my neck. And I just, I, I, I sat there for five minutes because I, I wanted to continue to experience that, right? And as we were singing together, he just pat my, my, my neck with his little hand. And I can't help but think, how much does the Father, how much does the Father pat, pat our necks, pat, put his hand on our shoulder and just say, I'm here with you. I'm here, and I accept you. I accept you, and I'm beside you, and I affirm you. God's will, God's will for us is to find our happiness. I, uh, you know, the big question is, God wants us to be happy. Absolutely, he does. Absolutely, God wants you to be happy. He, but he wants us to find our happiness and our joy in him and not in the happenings around you. God's not so concerned about you attaining as much pleasure as you possibly can contain into your body during just the course of one lifetime. I will say that up front. God's not so worried about that. He's not going to be working overtime to see that you have those things. But I do promise you that God desperately, His will is for you to find happiness and joy and peace and contentment in Him and in pursuing Him. I know this week I've been talking very broadly in this sermon, okay? This is building up to next week. So I invite you, if there's any way you can be here next week, come next week. If, there's, if you're not here because you've already scheduled family vacation or you're out of town or whatever, then be sure to, to stream and watch this later on because what we're going to do next week is talk very specifically. Uh, the scriptures make it very clear that there are activities, there are actions that you can take on a daily basis that will stimulate the process of generating happiness in your life. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not trying to say that you're manipulating God or you're manipulating things around you, but there are things that we can do, just everyday events, just little things that will begin to stimulate you understanding and recognizing God's presence in your life, you understanding and recognizing that His the greatest way to generate happiness in your life is to experience it his blessing to experience his acceptance of you. There's some very practical things that we can do. And next week, we're going to talk very specifically about those. And uh, I'm holding those back till next Sunday, okay? But today, as we just set this groundwork for what does it look like? Are we happy? Do you choose happiness to be external, to be generated by the happenings around you? And to be all about attaining as much pleasure as you can possibly contain and as you could possibly hold? 
And if you're saying, yep, that's me and that's where I'm going to stay, then just all I can tell you is you're going to be miserable a lot of times in life. There's going to be a lot of times where you're going to be miserable. And there might even be some times where life is so bad, I don't know how you're going to keep on. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to make it. Uh, the other alternative is to say, you know what? Happiness is not about the outside. It's about the inside. Happiness is not about the happenings around me, but rather I can be happy. I can find blessing. I can find contentment in God's sense of joy, the joy that God offers, even in the worst of circumstances, because it's attached not to pleasure, but it's attached to knowing I have a hand on my shoulder patting me, saying, I am there. I am there, and I love you. I am there, and I'm proud of you. I'm there. Let's get through this together. That, I argue, is happiness. Let's pray. And Father, here we are, and we call upon you Lord, truth be told, there are seasons that every person in this room, every person that's streaming this, this presentation, this worship experience, there are seasons of loss of happiness. There are seasons in all of our lives where it's joyless. And truth be told, at times we feel like we're just a robot, just walking through life and we don't feel anything maybe because we've been hurt so badly. Lord, would you work in us? Would you help us to become people of great joy despite our happenings, despite the loss, despite the difficult times? And would you begin showing us, God, how can we generate blessing? How can we generate happiness because of our walk with you and our experience of having you by our sides. Help us to consider that this week, God. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org